Welcome to another episode of the Tech.eu podcast. My name is Robin Walters and I'm here with the lovely Shaheen Samavati, who is based in Madrid, who I was hanging out with in Barcelona earlier this week and is spending the weekend in Malaga. Hey Shaheen, how's the weather over there? Hi Robin. Well, believe it or not, it's a bit like Brussels. It's cloudy and it's raining, but I'm holding out that it'll clear up very soon. Ouch, sorry to hear that. Well, it's good to have you back on the show. Let's dive right in because there's been a lot of news in the past two weeks, particularly considering that we've just had Mobile World Congress and the Four Years From Now conference in Barcelona, where we both were. Um, we're going to talk about some interesting acquisitions that took place in, in places like Israel, France, Sweden, Germany, and the UK. We're going to discuss a number of substantial funding rounds for interesting European tech companies and cover some news from the big boys as well. Yes, indeed. Well, I'm not sure if Nokia still falls under the big boy category, but as we all know, at one time they were the best-selling mobile phone brand in the world, and the Finnish company has seen a steep decline in recent years, failing to compete on smartphone technology. But now they could be making a comeback. That's to say HMD Global, another Finnish company that has licensed the rights to produce Nokia phones, last week unveiled a trio of Nokia-branded but pure Android devices at Mobile World Congress that are designed to cater to the mid-range of the smartphone market. The phones will run stock Android, which means no bundled third-party apps, no UI customizations, and regular security updates. We'll have to wait and see if this makes Nokia a household name in phones once again, but I don't think we should hold our breath. No, maybe not, but I hear they're they're re-releasing the 3310, the legendary phone that everyone knows and loves, and I hear it still plays Snake, the little fun game. Um, as for that other Nordic tech giant, Spotify, there was also some news coming out of the Swedish company this week. Spotify this week announced that it's hit quite a milestone. They have reached 50 million paid subscribers, so that's nothing to sneeze at. It's also impressive growth for the company. Uh, they went from 30 million subscribers in March last year to 40 million last September. 50 million today, so that's adding 20 million just in a year. When you add in free users, that number jumps even higher to over 100 million Spotify users. That is impressive, and so are the recent numbers shared by ResearchGate, the Berlin-based maker of social network for scientists. Founded back in 2008, the company has amassed 12 million scientists on its social network, where they collaborate and share research findings. This week, ResearchGate announced that it's raised $52.6 million from several investors, including Goldman Sachs and previous investors like Bill Gates, Ashton Kutcher, Xavier Neal, and many more. The German company actually secured the funding back in November 2015, but is only now making the investment public. Yep, and there was more fundraising going on in Berlin, but not only by tech startups. Uh, this week, venture capital firm Project A said it has closed a second fund of 140 million euros, uh, with a follow-up vehicle of 40 million euros expected to close soon. The investment in the fund was led by the European Investment Fund, as they often do, uh, with participation from Axel Springer, Otto Group, ProSiebenSat Ein, uh, Ravensburger and Oetker, so lots of big German companies investing in the fund. Uh, individual investors in the new German fund include the CEO of Trivago, Rolf Schrömgens, I hope I got that right, and AppNexus CEO Brian O'Kelly. Project A, for those who don't know, founded in 2012. The portfolio includes World Remit, ZenMate, and Katawiki, and they boast a total portfolio value of over 2.5 billion euros. Of course, that number is um, self-reported, let's say, but the portfolio does look impressive, particularly for such a relatively young PC firm. Speaking of impressive, we're delighted to announce that American telco giant AT&T has made the very smart decision to sponsor the Tech.eu podcast. 
Last week, Robin caught up with two of its executives, Sundar Somasundaram and Mobin Khan, who head up IoT solutions and strategy at AT&T. They talked about a number of announcements recently made by the company. Hey, this is Robin from TechU, and I'm here in Barcelona for Mobile World Congress and the Four Years From Now Conference. And I'm here with Mobin and Sundar from AT&T. Can you briefly introduce yourselves and what do you do at AT&T? Yeah, this is Mabin Khan. I'm with AT&T's IoT platforms and end-to-end solutions team. I have the responsibility for strategy and product management. Hi, this is Sundar Somasundaram. I'm also with the IoT solutions group at AT&T and I head up our digital strategy. AT&T is making a ton of announcements at Mobile World Congress this week. What are the ones that you are personally involved in and you know, what do you want to talk about now? Sure. Uh, there's a couple of key announcements that uh, you know are, are pretty important for us. Uh, the first one is what we announced a strategic partnership with Intel based on their Liquid program. We uh, uh, Intel rolled out a brand new device uh, in partnership with Sonom based on the Liquid standards, and it's tied into the AT&T network and also into the AT&T IoT platforms. That's number one. The second announcement is really tied around our AT uh, Avnet Global IoT Starter Kit, which is also powered by AT&T platforms and connectivity. Right. Um, let's talk about the first one. Um, the partnership with Intel, how does it work? How is AT&T involved? And what's the value proposition here? So the value proposition here is uh, Liquid is a standard for building these uh, devices, uh, this Sonom device being the very first one. It's targeted towards asset tracking solutions. So think about any cargo, anything you need to ship for supply chain tracking. You throw this, it's a ruggedized device. And most important thing, as Sundar talked about, is that it's integrated into our platform. So the data automatically, very quickly flows into the network, flows into the platforms, and it's available through APIs for anybody to build dashboards or uh, consume the data, put, put alerts around the data. So say something is caught across a geofence. Uh, so it's a pre-integrated device with our platforms. It makes it easy for developers to build solutions. Understood. Uh, is it available already? Uh, what's the price point? So the device is going to be available mid-2017. Uh, the price point is right now targeted at $149 and below. So depending on the customer and the volume and the you know uh, deployment, we, it could be even lower. The, the other thing I would add to that is that AT&T also helps provide devices and solutions at a single price point per device per month. So you could buy a device, the solution, the network pieces at a single price point per month as an operating cost without having to actually uh, purchase their device. So it's think of it as a leased solution. Right. So it makes it easy for companies that don't want to put up a lot of capital expense to purchase this solution anywhere in the world. Our audience is mostly pan-European. Uh, is there anything specific to Europe that you would like to mention? Yeah, so this device is actually global in nature, but we are targeting for first deployments in the, in the summer of 2017 for both Europe and the United States. So it's going to have, uh, you know, uh, connectivity throughout, you know, Europe and uh, the United States for the first launch. So tell us more about the global uh, starter kit. Is that new? Is it packages? Is it a follow-up of something that was there before? Yeah, so it's actually a follow-up to our existing IoT starter kit. Uh, But what we've done is now we have taken it and made it uh, global in nature. So it's going to work in most of, uh, you know, uh, Asia-Pac, Europe, uh, South America, and also parts of uh, North America. So what it is, is it's basically a single board uh, with a Qualcomm uh, uh, processor uh, chipset in it. And the chipset in itself has a processor that will allow developers to actually run code directly on the host mode. So you can actually use it to, you know, create IoT gateways, you know, um, edge devices, 
but you can also use it as a slave if you know if you have an existing raspberry pi things like that you can just bundle that with it and use it in in that sense too and it's right now priced at 139 dollars but we believe that by the time it's uh, you know it's going to be launched in may to mubeen's point uh, we're going to have some innovative and creative pricing around that too right yeah one thing i would add to the global starter kit is it comes bundled again with platforms so again the, there are tools available in the cloud based on iot platforms and at&t specifically flow and m2x these are platforms built on open source technologies that are open to developers and make it very easy for them without having to write uh, embedded code or write low level programming for them to be able to build iot solutions very quickly um, i'm guessing this is targeting mostly early stage startups what are they doing now what are they using now that this can replace yeah so that's a great question so um, you know we've seen some really innovative use cases with the starter kits that we've already put out in place in the united states today a good example is uh, the city of uh, Holland, Michigan. Uh, they're actually using it to track the roads today. Uh, they have an, a you know a system of tubes that run under the roads, which melt the snow uh, for these vehicles to you know to be able to go without any issues on the snow. So they're actually made a smart city application out of that to monitor how well it's you know the roads are maintained and how how well the snow the snow system is is uh, being you know uh, being used to melt the snow on the roads. And uh, they're now able to send alerts in places where it's not working so well. So, you know, we've seen applications like that. We've also seen applications involving drones uh, using this to, you know, c- capture agricultural uh, videos in terms of how well uh, particular areas of the uh, fields are getting watered, things like that. So it's a whole gamut of applications that we've seen. Mubeen, what's your favorite use case? Yeah, so I think, um, uh, so I, uh, there's, there's use cases in asset management and healthcare that are really interesting, um, where customers are connecting uh, patients' data uh, to, to uh, you know, so think about uh, glucometers or any other devices that are on uh, healthcare patients and tra- tracking those vitals on, uh, on customers. The other thing I wanted to mention to your question earlier was um, even though this is targeted towards developers and uh, we are finding that there is a significant amount of large companies that are using these starter kits. So it'll be a developer in a large company, like in a healthcare company or a or in the city, as, as Sundar mentioned, that will bring it, build a proof of concept, show it to their boss, and that kickstarts a whole campaign or a, or a solution that they want to use inside the company. So we're finding a significant number of larger companies using this, not just two guys in a garage right. using this. Got it. Well, looking forward to general availability. We'll see when it hits, mid-2017, I understand. Yeah. Great. Well, Mubin, it's in there. Thank you very much, and have a good time at Mobile World Congress. Thank you for having us here. Thank you for hosting us. As Robin mentioned earlier, there were also quite a few acquisitions that took place all across Europe in the past two weeks that we'd like to mention. In Israel, Apple has reportedly spent several million dollars to snap up RealFace, a machine learning startup whose facial recognition technology can be used to authenticate users. That report has not been confirmed, but this one was. American firm Palo Alto Networks has acquired Israeli cybersecurity company LightCyber for 150 no sorry 105 million dollars. LightCyber uses sophisticated machine learning to quickly and accurately identify cyber attacks by identifying behavioral anomalies inside networks. And in the UK meanwhile there was a very notable acquisition of a fintech company, payments company Retail Merchant Services, RMS for short. 
was acquired by a Silicon Valley-based VC firm, uh, Technology Crossover Ventures, for an undisclosed amount. TCV said it funded the deal uh, via its $2.5 billion growth fund. So you don't see that too often, uh, VC firm actually buying a tech company outright. But I'm guessing um, they'll be selling the company on in a few years, if all goes well. Uh, in Germany, Berlin-based IoT platform provider Relayer uh, bought Munich-based Neokami, which is an artificial intelligence data security company, keeping the deals domestic over in Germany. Uh, that was also the case in France, uh, where fashion e-commerce website Showroom Privé, which recently went public, uh, announced its acquisition of beauty e-commerce website Beauté Privé. Uh, the size of the deal was not disclosed. And the same goes for Swedish company Mistbase. They developed digital wireless communication solutions for IoT. They were also acquired by British hardware giant ARM, to be more specific. But the price was also kept under wraps. That brings us to the final part of this podcast, but we can't leave you without mentioning one of the most noteworthy news items from the past few weeks. Rocket Internet's largest shareholder, Swedish investment group Kinevec, announced recently that it would sell half its shares in the company. The news sent Rocket's share price tumbling, and it has yet to recover. Kinevec made the decision as it increasingly clashes with the German e-commerce group and so-called startup factory uh, on the valuation of companies they've already jointly invested in, as well as on the future investment strategy. Analysts are now expecting that the Swedish investment group will continue to sell off its Rocket Internet shares, perhaps even all of its remaining stake. So we'll be keeping a close eye on how this affects the company's share price. But one thing is for sure, Rocket Internet hasn't exactly been a stellar performer since it made its debut on the public market back in late 2014. Yes, that's the least you can say, and we'll see if they'll be able to recover. Thank you very much, Shaheen. That's it for this week. Uh, thank you as well for tuning into our podcast. We hope that you're a regular listener. If not, you can fix it now by subscribing on iTunes or SoundCloud. Uh, you can also follow TechEU on Twitter. We're at tech underscore EU. And we can also be found on Facebook, LinkedIn, and even Google Plus if you're so inclined. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll be back next week. Bye, Shaheen. Bye, Robin. Thank you.